Hi, it's Paul Camillos. Welcome to Series 5 of Shooting the Breeze. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin as we talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. This marks the start of our fourth year of covering women's hoops and women in hoops. And throughout the series, we welcome experts like Lyndon Moore from New Zealand and other special guests from across the world to get a global picture of the game. During this series, we'll take a closer look at the grassroots and the passionate people at the community level. And of course, the 30th edition of the FIBA Women's Asia Cup was recently held in Sydney, where the Opals took bronze and Asia's best players put on a show. Hit that subscribe button, and to show your support, rate and leave us a review on iTunes so we reach more listeners. We've got Kiwi players coming home to play. Mm. We've got international stars that are about to be announced. We've got WNBA drafted players coming to play. I mean, it is an amazing opportunity for Kiwi basketball. Uh, look, I'm just really pleased for our program and for, for the nation that we're actually here at this point. So more than anything else, I think it's a, it's a real celebration for us and something we've worked very hard to get. If we're trying to compete with, like I said, the top 16 teams, we need to have a domestic league just to keep the engagement and this kind of feel of these tournaments alive. So I'm, I'm super excited to be a part of it. It's our third and final Tawihi instalment with Kiwi duo Lyndon Moore and Maya Williamson back to wrap what has been a huge second season of the Tawihi League with amazing local players and New Zealand's rise on the world stage. We're all a bit stunned that the Tawihi is already done and dusted and we're only weeks away from the WNBL tipping off but that means more opportunity to watch the talent that's coming across, some for the first time, so it's going to be fun. Big thanks to Lyndon and Meyer, both making their own contributions to the Women's League in New Zealand and in this three-part series. In their words, don't sleep on New Zealand. Stay tuned for our next episode. It's our big one in our 150th podcast and our final one for Series 5, so keep your eye on socials. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me for our third Tawihi New Zealand podcast. It's Lyndon Moore and Maya Williamson, the Kiwi duo. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to have you back. Always happy to be back. And my other half. Very happy to see you, Maya. <laughs> Always happy to see you, Lyndon. The Kiwi Can't duo. the end of it. It's just crazy. I know. It's getting, I'm getting a bit emotional just thinking about it. <laughs> no, for those of us who, well, because we're on camera, but people can't see it, we're both wearing Tawihi sweatshirts, and that was not planned. Um, yes. so it worked out nicely. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. Well, look, to be honest, this Tawihi season, it seemed to go faster than last year's inaugural season. It don't know what like, I don't know where it went, to be honest. What I like I think about it and I'll just like lay on my bed and be like, Wow, that went by like in the blink of an eye. And I thought I was like trying to take it in and enjoy it, but it just slammed and then it was gone. Done. Yeah, uh, really fast. And I was really impressed with uh, from all the games I managed to get to see, the quality of the plays, uh, as we've said before, seems to have improved over the, the inaugural season. More imports. Uh, the play seemed to be a little bit faster. 
And the other thing that I also found interesting, and we've talked about this before as well, is the Rapid League. You know, I've been thinking about this. I just wonder, did the Rapid League have an effect on actually increasing the pace of the game for the main game? Oh, you got us both good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's probably a little bit of that. Maybe. I, I don't really know. It's hard to know, but... I think just with the increased level of imports, that probably helped as well, making the game, the actual game quicker. But yeah, I don't know if Rapid League had an effect. Maybe subconsciously. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. It certainly was a lot of those, the women that we saw playing, some of those transitioned over to the Toei game as well. So they were right quick on their feet, um, mm. you know, from the beginning. But yeah, I think it's kind of hard to know, but it seems like maybe for sure that there may have been kind of the onset you know, a little bit quicker than what we've seen. But it was, like, everyone that I've talked to, and I've like, I spoke to some people who saw it was watching the league for the first time like this, and I would ask them, like, what their impressions were of it. And the first thing he said was fast. <laughs> He's like, they get up and down the floor, man. I've never seen anything like that. I was like, yeah. It's just, it's, it is a like, rapid like, leg. Yeah. Now, did anybody ever, like, did you guys get a chance to talk to any of the coaches about how they feel about kind of the, the limitations that are on the coach role? on the Rapid League? Well, I was kind of, in, I guess, involved with the coaching staff, the Kuaakai, so I got yeah. to see it a little bit more VIP experience, I suppose. Um, it, it kind of, like, from what I heard from the boys who, like, they kind of all rotated around coaching the Rapid League, you kind of, like, don't really coach that much. Yeah. Just because you don't know that. You can't call timeouts and then, like, you're only coaching back on four minutes of basketball because obviously the quarters are only four minutes. So, you know, there's not a lot that you can kind of say. But I, I think they enjoy it because it's kind of a new challenge, which is cool. And mm. coaches were navigating it as much as players were, which is cool. Yeah, I think it was a it was a good novelty kind of thing just for people to kind of feel and ride out together, which obviously comes with, you know, the, the logistics and some of the other difficulties that as all new things are. But yeah, like you said, by everybody was kind of just figuring it out. Mm. And I think the players were trying to figure out how to utilize, you know, the best of their leadership skills and what they knew. Because if the coach really can't be involved, you know, how do you get through it? Yeah, yeah the whole guy obviously had cracked the code because um, they did really well this year. And rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, the, yeah, we talked about this before. You guys had a lot of a lot of injuries at the poor guy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an unfortunate season. I think the season for everybody, it was kind of, I don't know, it just felt different. Obviously, it was going to be different than the inaugural season, and we saw a lot of different changes. And in terms of the elevation, we've talked a lot about the imports. We've talked about, you know, the New Zealanders who have returned home, uh, who we haven't gotten to see play previously, domestically, but finally did. And I think they elevated the game a little bit. Uh, but other than that, I don't know, it just kind of felt like something was, like there was an like an ingredient in there. Yeah. It made it different. I just, I can never put my finger on what it was. But so somebody could tell me, like, if someone asked, like, what was the difference? I'd be like, it's something. I think it's, yeah, it's always better this, the second time around, I suppose, because the first year, you know, you're still feeling some things out. But I think players know it's getting bigger and bigger, so it plays a lot more importance on it. I think everyone's getting, like, hungrier towards a goal. Yeah, I think they're all starting to be trying to be part of that vision too. And they, yeah. like, once you're in, it's seen the ones for the players who saw from afar last year are now stepping in and gotten to experience it this year. London did really, really well too, uh, which was great to see. Yeah, for sure. 
one of those things is, you know, obviously we had the award winners come out. Um, but also, you know, just even looking beyond that, things that, you know, New Zealand and Australian fans will appreciate is, you know, you have a lot of Kiwis in the WNBL now. And I think Toehi has played a large role in that. Yeah, and it's probably a good time for us to talk about it. There are a lot of Kiwis coming over the WNBL this season. How do you guys think that that's going to translate, first of all, within the WNBL and also doing a bit of crystal ball gazing? How do you think it's going to look for the Tawihi League season three? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to, I think, only help elevate. I mean, we saw, I mean, what Tess Magden did when she came over. Um, and her WNBL experience, and I think she has a number of seasons under her belt, so she's, you know, she's been around that loop before. But to think of how well that translates, I think she was a good example of how well that, you know, the game develops over there and then transitions it over here. And I think if that's any sign of what it could look like, um, especially in the New Zealanders and even having Panina come over and, and someone like now, Ezra McGoldrick, who's still got a lot ahead of her, um, you know, a lot of basketball left to play. So... I think it looks really promising taking that, you know, just those learnings and that style of play and bringing it over here. And I think those Australian and New Zealand, like, to an extent that they are similar, you know, and the more women who go over there, you know, and this time adapt that style and come back. So I, I think it's going to be pretty promising, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Like, they're going to go over there and obviously develop so much from the great league, the WNBL is, um, and they can come back again with that knowledge. Like, we had Nat Burden come, who's obviously had lots of experience in the WNBL, and, like, just her knowledge and kind of class just elevated the team even though she was only there for like a week or so yeah and that's really valuable to have so i imagine it'll be the same with the girls who will return after like ezra and sean um sarah panina actually i did want to ask my it was that end of the season but you guys did get ash ty and nat burton yeah wanted to follow up on that how did that go and how was it having them around oh they were just awesome like just connected straight away all the highlights i saw of them were just phenomenal which i guess yeah. i didn't expect anything less but it just kind of blew my mind yeah obviously basketball skill wise incredible talented athletes but they were just so much more than that just great people connected straight away i felt like they really fit into the culture and elevated it as well um and you can tell they've just been professionals for a long time yeah and they just fit in straight away and just having that expertise like you can just tell they brought something new to the team which was it was really cool to see and i was pretty lucky to be a part of that yeah, absolutely. Do you think, I mean, you, you only had, had them for like a really short period of time towards yeah, the back end of the season. Yeah, a couple of games. If you look at your overall season and the impact they had on the, those couple of games, how do you see that worked in for the team? I think like it would have been really cool to have them earlier just because of the impact they had. I mean, Ash Tyre was obviously had her WNBL one season. Unfortunately, she did come with an injury, which was just our luck. So, mm. um, yeah, she was a little bit handed for the games that she had played, but it felt great to have people like that to come around. I think it was just a hard time in the season because there were chances of making the playoffs were pretty low. Um, mm. So obviously it was just a hard time of the season, but I think everyone really appreciated them coming and you can take away from having them there and learning from them despite not making the playoffs or anything. Yeah, even if they don't necessarily go on court, the knowledge that they have and the other leadership skills that they bring, there's still so much value Yeah, that you can take out of that. And it's great that the ball guy was still able to benefit from that for even however long that was. Yeah, for sure. You know, maybe aim at looking for something for next year. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I'm guessing we're not going to get any of the, the secret advice of 
what players are Puakai are looking at for next season? Can't say anything because I can't say. I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> this, is your ch- this is your chance to say, yeah, I, I can't tell you. It's it's a big secret now. Yeah, so. I've mean, got the whole roster in my head for next year, but I'm just not that aware. Fair enough. But I think it is time, though, you know, we've talked about her before on the show, but Ezra McGoldrick and just how good she was and how much you feel like she's grown. And Maya, you've seen that growth firsthand. Yeah. Um, can you just speak up? She, I believe, if I get this right, she was on the All Star 5. I don't think Ezra was on the All Star 5. She was a nominee for Most Improved. Yeah. As I saw, I'm looking at the online right now. Oh, it's a Rapid League All Star 5. That's why. Well, she deserved that for sure. And she was a nominee for Most Improved for Toihi. But she's also um, most deserved for. Yeah. She yeah, she just really came alive this season. Like, I've seen Ears beat really high level. But um, last season, she had a good season with the Fi. Not necessarily, like, super dominant or anything, but a good role player. But she stepped, stepped into a way bigger role with the Puakai this year um, and just absolutely lit it up. She shot really well this season, which was really encouraging for her. And I just found like she was one of our best players and super dominant. And we threw a lot at her in terms of defensive matchups. Like she had to guard Chris Carr at one time, um, which is obviously a task for anyone and a significant height difference there. But yeah, she was she just stepped alive into like a whole new role this season. And like it's obviously worked well for her because she had a really great stint with the Tall Ferns and obviously gets the WNBL signing now. Like I really feel like this season was her season. So Hopefully it's only upwards for her than here. Yeah, it was great to see her and the mom because you mentioned Crystal and Carr and Crystal was one of those one of the players this season that really caught a lot of people's people's attention for good reason. Yeah. But alongside her, I'm just looking at the other list here, another one and uh Sydney fans will see is Paige Bradley. Uh oh. Wow. Right. That's <laughs> all like, like she's just in, like incredible. Like I um she's not better. Yeah, and we played them when they didn't have Zoe or um, Prechtel. So, yeah. obviously, it just was like, you know, everything went through Paige Bradley, despite having a pretty young and inexperienced team with missing those two. Like, the way that she just brought her team together. And, God, she's just class. Just so nice to watch. Yeah, she was good. It's interesting that we spoke with the CEO of the Kings and Flames, Chris Pongrass, a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about Paige, and to me it seems interesting that we're now seeing a lot of WNBL teams looking over at New Zealand to fill one of those import roster spots. How do you think that we're going to find this developer over the next few years, given the rapid improvement in play and in, in player capabilities that we're seeing from a Tauihi League? I feel like there's a potential for Tauihi to be a really nice segue into WNBL. Like, I feel like maybe the next few years they won't just be looking at us for our last couple of spots. They could genuinely be looking for a good roster spots for some people here because I genuinely believe that there are some people that could do really well in the WNBL. So yeah. I think with, yeah, the improvement from last season to this season with Toei, like, it has the potential to continue on a trajectory that's really good for New Zealand. It was, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think just in general, but just in general because... I mean, you've seen these young ones come up, especially the Rapid League, where that was so good, and then sometimes then they get to step up into the real Tauhi game. I mean, it's crazy just to see even potential that they have. And the nice thing is New Zealand is so close to Australia that they're in their backyard. And 
just the growth that we've seen and spoke about numerous times from season one to season two. I mean, why wouldn't they look over here? And I think it's just going to become more legitimized over time that this is like the place to look. And obviously, you look at Europe, look at America, look at other, you know, the typical hotspots, but don't sleep on New Zealand. Yeah. There's just so much talent here. And I think because they're developing like multiple age groups in New Zealand as well, it's just going to continue to feed. Our under 16 girls team placed the highest they ever have at an Asia Cup, coming third this year. Yeah. And like you see, the development is coming from an early age. So it's just going to continue to feed through. And then obviously, with the Rapid League, all the development players have come a far way. Like, it's establishing itself like across many age groups in New Zealand, which is positive for the future, of course. Yeah, so Payless Hokanga uh, from the FI for the Youth Player of the Year, I mean, she was absolutely unreal. Like, just Crazy. watching her play, play basketball was just, like, mind-blowing. I mean, she's out there and she's holding her own. She's 15 years yeah, old. Yeah, she's 15. I mean, yeah, just to give people a bit of a bit of context, like, she's, she's young. And, yeah, she's a real baby. And... Uh, yeah, he was making a statement, which was super impressive. And yeah. So, you know, I'd love to see her, you know, whatever route she chooses to go down, which, you know, she saw some time before she willing to decide where, you know, which route she's going to go. But, you know, surely down the line, uh, you know, you know Guy Malloy's looking at her and, you know, surely the WNBL clubs will, you know, look at her for the future. Are there any other names that you guys saw across the Tauihi League that you think should be on the horizon or on the on the scout list for coaches in the WNBL? I mean, I'm going to say Retoria Tamilan, just because I've gone to see her grow up close because with the Kahu. Uh, she's definitely made some big improvements. I know she wants to go to the States for college, so I don't know how often we'll be seeing her back, but I know down the line, like, she's definitely a WNBL hopefully WNBA caliber player. So Pretoria certainly won to, and she was in, also in Tolfern's mix too. So Guy will have the information on her, but she's one who sticks out. Um, thinking about some other ones. All of the ones that I would say uh, have, have recently signed, like I think Ezra and Sean. Yes. Crystal Ligia Walker just came back from her season, I believe, as a development player. She was with Townsville. She was last year, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I wouldn't sleep on Lauren Hippolyte, I think. Oh, and yeah. she also, just really on Lauren, was really cool. She signed with the agency, the all-female agency. I think it was. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool to see her in that mix as well. Mm. But, yeah, never sleep on Lauren. Never. Speaking of Lauren, I think another up-and-coming player who's, who has the potential to do that one day is Lauren Whitaker. Oh, yeah. Lauren, yes. Lauren Whitaker is, like, I want to say she's the best player for her age group in New Zealand. Like, she is phenomenal. Hands down. Yeah, and just seeing her, like, play Tahiti this year, coming off an ACL injury last year and hold her own against some of the best players in the league being not even 18 years old. It's just, it's, yeah. Wow. I mean, for contest for listeners, we're actually we're recording this uh, the day before uh, secondary school nationals in New Zealand tips off. And Lauren missed that, obviously, last year with her injury. And so this year, and she's been a roaring force for Stack. Oh. Um, and I know Stack is aimed to be toward the top this year, and Lauren and Kavana and um, you know, others are helping power that. But, yeah, don't sleep on Lauren. Like, she played some insane minutes, too, not only rapidly, yeah. but also in Toehi. Yes, yeah, one game we played against the Kahu, she played about 28 minutes, which is some serious load. And, like, she was going against Amari and Polina, and she's 
17 years old, which is... Mentality too, though, is always something that I've noticed and admired about her is that she yeah. does not back down. No. Nah. And that like, you have to have that certain, I think, mental switch if you're going to do what she did and come in and carry that load. But she is, she's different. She's special. Yeah. Keep an eye out for her. Absolutely. Okay. We'll definitely do that. And just while we were talking about this, I had this crazy thought that came into my head. Do you think we'll ever get to the stage where in the next two to three years, maybe, we could see a game played between the Tawahi League champions and the NBL 1 champions? I mean, I get in the future, and it's going to take longer to develop to get to that WNBL stage, but at at NBL 1, do you reckon within the next two to three years that that's a possible I think so. Like, I don't think they're very far off of each other, to be honest. From Based on what I've seen and heard of girls who have all had experiences in the NBL 1, I definitely think that's feasible, especially as Toei, like, establishes itself a lot more. Hmm. I definitely think we get into that stage where it's possible. Yeah, I agree. It's, I think I've always seen it as probably more of a an even keel, at least between the two, in terms of caliber, besides WNBL, I would say NBL 1. It'd be really great, actually. And like you said, Maya, because their girls have been able to experience both. So, yeah, that'd be wicked, actually. And I, I, I don't see why not. The way that things have been going, uh, and that's, yeah. you've seen the crystal ball for the coming years, you know, two to three, couple of years, absolutely. Okay. Dean England and, and Justin Nelson, you heard it here first. This is the one that you've got to start organizing from now. <laughs> and give us some credit. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay, so looking back at the Tawahi and the, the awards, who got what awards? Who was your MVP? And what do you think was special about their performances? Um, I have the list up in front of me. I mean, just start off with the MVP, Ashton Pretzel. I don't think any of us are surprised. No way. No, I mean, what was special? I mean, Ashton's just special. I mean, she's, yeah, I feel different. she's so good. And I, I mean, she was good on all ends of the floor. It was unfortunate to see her go down with the injury. Oh, yeah. um, at the end, I, my heart did break for her and for the team because, you know, that was a magical run. Uh, but she had a lot to do. And her years at Stanford definitely were showing and her experience. Oh, was sure. like, <laughs> she so was that, unstoppable. There was genuinely, like, in her scout report, it's like, you can't stop her. You can only just try to minimize what she's good at. But you're happy if she scores 20 points against you because that's actually, like, an average night for her. Like, she was just phenomenal and just dominant. I just saw her in the warm-up just casually, like, dribble, dribble, get up, one hand, left hand, dunk. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. All right. We don't, we don't do that around here, so, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> you don't see that often. So I was like, wow. Yeah, so I, think, I don't think any of us were surprised about that, about that decision for MVP. Moving down, the less youth player of the year, Payless Falkanga, that makes sense. I think there are a lot of good youth players this year, but I think she was – like by far the standout. Yeah. Uh, defensive player of the year. Great to see Michaela Cowling. Yeah, she, and especially toward the end of the season, I feel like she was, I mean, she was consistent, but then I feel like really toward the end, she really just kind of caught on and, yeah, you know, you couldn't stop her. Yeah, she, and she was also, I think, up in the ranks for probably for MVP as well. Just, yeah. And I think I never met her. I don't know if you did, Lyndon, but I heard that she's an epic teammate. I saw I her. I saw, I went to the FI. Uh, actually, I did get down there, and she was like, she had a line, but she was just so gracious. And I, actually, I was trying to figure out who I was going to interview, and then I was, I was kind of like prompting around, and they're like, MZ, 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 uh, and I could see why. And I like talked to her just like for two seconds, 
but any interaction I've had with her over Instagram, she's just been so nice. And uh, I've heard nothing but great things about her. She's a fan favorite. So yeah, um, she was definitely beloved. And I, I think I look again. I think I saw that she got a, an award in their team for being like a the community person of the year or something like. So That's she obviously weird. yeah she obviously came here and did more than just dominate the league. Like she was obviously really invested in the community too, which is so like that's so awesome for an import to come in and i actually saw her it was crazy because i so she and ashton i actually saw i remember them both when they were in college that was actually watching yeah that's a fun fact i remember watching michaela at cal berkeley wow um it was obviously from afar and just was my family was written for cal but yeah i was like wait i know that name and i was like whoa um and i know she was a fan favorite there too and judging on how you know she just and it seems like she has she's made her home around the world just playing basketball but like you said maya she does so much more than that yeah and she just brings her whole self and her whole heart to the community to the people and she really you know she makes her legacy as good as it is so she was great i just like tapped her on the shoulder real quick when i went down there but she was very gracious and very nice and all the kids loved her so great smile too yeah she was phenomenal most improved player. So we talked about, you know, we I think we saw a lot of improvement this year. Uh, but Zoe Richards ended up with that one. And yep. that was cool. Yeah. Deserving, I think. She as well. really just, she stepped up. Like, yeah, that, she, I, you can tell it offseason in Europe, I think that just helped develop her even more. Yeah. She had a really vital role for that Hoi Ho team. And um, the games where she was injured, you could tell they were missing her, like, which is really cool. Like she really established herself as one of the best players for that Hoyo team and in the league too. Yeah, she went leaps and bounds. So well deserved. Uh, congratulations, Zoe. Very proud of you. I'm very happy. Yeah, it's to me what I'm starting to get a feeling of is that there's a lot of really great talent, and what they're starting to do is bring the rest of the players up with them and passing on a lot of the knowledge, like you know, coming from Stanford, coming from Europe. That knowledge, that basketball IQ is starting to go back into the other athletes in the teams and it's starting to bring the, the game up probably a little faster than it would have uh, naturally if you weren't getting these players back into the Tawihi League. And also, I don't think we can discount the fact that, you know, there's Olympics next year and there's, you know, Tallfern spots on the table as well. Yeah, definitely. And the qualifiers, I think there's maybe possibly a February date that I don't know much more than that of, you know, for New Zealand, for the tall ferns to get back out there and, you know, hopefully triple fingers crossed, um, qualify for Paris, but you know, the stakes are even higher now. And I think we got a good benchmark caliber at the Asia cup of what that looks like, yep. but who wouldn't want to be part of that team? Um, so it's, it's going to be tough. And Zoe's had, she's been part of that tall ferns team before. So she knows, you know, that culture and that landscape. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Hopefully, you know, she's back in the mix, depending on if she's available. You talked about bringing people up. The coach of the year, or just thinking when we're on the Hoyo, Todd Marshall. Because he came in, and last year they had, last year, I don't think anybody was hoping for, but, you know, they just seemed to really turn things around. So credit to Todd and Andrusk and everybody down there for, you know, making things happen. Yeah, they had a really great season. It was obviously a really unfortunate end, losing Prickdo, and I think they could have, yeah. gone on a bit further had they been fully healthy but yeah he just did a really good job with them and a really good dude as well so yeah that's the only thing i, I never heard is that they really liked him yeah 
and that it was a good fit and that they were comfortable and clearly the system was working because obviously yeah <laughs> they were certainly a tall task figuratively and literally yeah <laughs> good one and this this brings up another interesting point the development of the of the coaching talent across new zealand that's coming through with with toehi league right so my i'm going to throw this one to you first because you know, you're, you're sitting in that assistant coaching role. How do you feel that the league is helping to develop coaching and maybe accelerate the skill levels that coaches would learn over time just because of the quality of the competition? Yeah, well, like a lot comes with having to be part of the coaching staff on a professional team. So much scouting is involved, individual scouting and team scouting. There's so much film that goes into that, so much time that you have to spend on something like that. Um, and then obviously like having to scout some really high caliber players like trying to figure out different ways to stop Ashton Prickdall when you've got no one the size of her you know there's there's so many challenges like that that you have to kind of face and make adjustments on the fly which you kind of have no choice but to accelerate and improve at I think especially for me like never being involved in that kind of area before at all like the the highest level I've ever coached at is like women's prems here in Christchurch so um having that totally fresh experience like you you learn you have to deal with so much so then you naturally i think you just improve and learn so much and i think that even goes for head coaching like josh thompson just with the park i his first um experience as a professional coach and because so much was thrown at him he just naturally had to improve and can reflect and learn so much so yeah linda and i don't know your thoughts but i think because you have to deal with so much and adjust so much on the fly you just learn so quickly yeah, that's, I, I mean, my own, you're, you're the expert on this one, you lived it. But yeah, it just seems like it was an adjustment for everybody. And yeah, the coaches I saw around here just trying to figure out, back to our conversation earlier about the Rapid League, navigating that and what's your game plan there. And then also, you know, what other challenges are going to be thrown your way. And at the Kahu, they were working the best that they could. Um, with Talia, you know, as, as restricted as she was, unfortunately, with her shoulder. And yeah, you just kind of have to learn to, adapt and overcome and you know it's only eight or nine weeks so it's really not that long mm -hmm. so you have to figure it out and i think everyone did the best they could was it a bit of a challenge from a coaching perspective having a different style of play so you know people coming from europe coming from the states from college from wnbl and nbl one you've got different styles of play do you think or did you find that to be a challenge because you just kind of seeing you know, having to adjust with those little nuances that were probably very different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge um, with some imports other than others, and I think that's a blanket experience for probably everyone. There are some people who come in and just completely buy into the system, and then obviously some um, who don't want to do that so much because they've had success in other ways. So it is definitely a challenge, but I guess you've just got to take what you've got and take success where you can find it, but... It definitely is a challenge trying to get everyone to buy into a system if they think that something else is working better for them, I suppose. But, like, you just never know. Like, you don't know how well someone's going to buy into your system when you're just looking at them online or, like, trying to recruit them. Like, yeah, it's difficult. But, again, it's one of those things you have to just adjust to on the fly and just try to make work kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it was um, – I heard an interview with some of the five coaching staff for the beginning of the season – I heard correctly that they were recruiting for a specific style of play. So they wanted to bring in people who were going to fit what they wanted to the system that they wanted to facilitate. 
with the you said really well in terms of you know some come in and just you know it's immediate buy and it's all good to go and then sometimes there's a little bit of a growing period just if they've had success in other ways but i think overall the transition like people seem to have drawn pretty well then i say shout out to amari thomas uh yeah. with the kahoo but she just assimilated seamlessly the first week or two was kind of that growing period but then after that she just came alive and never looked back yeah yeah she was definitely um MVP candidate for sure. If, if it wasn't Preto, I think that she would have got it. Yeah, she was phenomenal, but she did, like, she assimilated really well. And it's, I mean, at one point, it's, you know, if you need the imports and you need them, then you just kind of figure out who you can get. But otherwise, it seems like people were intentional with kind of what they wanted, with what system they wanted to run and, you know, finding people who could fit that. I think it's interesting as well, like noting um, how well different people who have played in different parts of the world slot in. Like yeah. um, Kennedy Leonard, for example has played a lot of time in Britain and yeah. went straight to like London, England. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was playing with the London Lions too, which yeah. I agree. So, yeah, so she she slotted in really well straight away, whereas we had a little bit more struggle with those who had came straight out of playing college in America slash playing in the WNBA. Like there's a difference between places in the world and I think we saw that even in other teams, like people who've played in like Australia, for example, slot in a lot easier than those who are fresh out of playing in America. So, it, yeah, it's interesting. And I guess because maybe the style of plays are so vastly different, it probably is quite difficult to transition to a very new style of play. But, yeah, I just thought that was interesting to note. Yeah, but I think WNBL and New Zealand, like, that's probably the most similar you'll probably find. Otherwise, when you try and throw the American style, because we see it with the college kids a lot, where it's just it's so different. And then they come back and it's kind of figuring out you know, where in the mix time do you go and what role do you play and such and such a thing. So it's definitely a big topic of discussion. Now, did the coaches find what sort of challenges, like a little bit more specifically, particularly for listeners who may not, you know, really understand the differences in, in style, mm-hmm. did like coaches have to deal with, you know, between, say, people who played in the UK and people who came from the States? What are the differences? Well, like, I guess New Zealand style of basketball as well as Australia and probably kind of where Kennedy played in London, like, it's very team basketball. Everything's very team-orientated. So, yeah, a lot of our offense, um, ball movement was a huge part of it and we saw a lot of our success come out of ball movement. Then getting the ball into your hands of your scorers and they have um, a lane opened up for them. But I think mm-hmm. definitely there's less of that in America and I think that's definitely less pushed, especially maybe in some places more than others. I'm not totally educated, but um, I think, yeah. So ISO basketball is like a huge thing. It's more personalized. Like it's more individual over there. As yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. More team style on this side of the world. Yeah, for sure. So like, I think that's a hard kind of transition to make where New Zealand is so focused on playing team basketball. Like you barely, especially in women's basketball, you barely really see positions where, it's just one person trying to go one-on-one. And if that's the case, you get subbed out kind of thing. Like, it's very team-orientated here, and I believe that's really pushed throughout BBNZ style of play. So, But I don't think that's as encouraged in American colleges or WNBA. Like, it's a little bit different. So that's kind of a hard transition to make. And um, I guess if it, someone that has played in America for a long time has that predetermined style of basketball, like, that's what they're going to do, and that's what they're going to want to do. Yeah, especially like for the ones who are coming over 
straight from college or WNBA and they haven't necessarily been it's supposed to taste of basketball down here yet uh there's definitely a adjustment period because the shift in kind of the whole movement and mechanics of it is just flipped on its head yeah one question i've always i'm kind of curious about and i'm going to direct this one to you maya is <laughs> as an assistant coach you obviously have to watch a lot of film do a lot of scouting how do you find that whole process and what is it that when you're going through that film and doing your scouts what do you look for well it's a lot and um we kind of divvied up the jobs because like i obviously like have my all of my other basketball as well as my study so i didn't have all day to just sit there on my computer and watch film but um i was in charge of a lot of the like paper individual scouts so what we did is that we had mainly focused on the starting five um who were going to be the most impactful and i'd watch film on them and you talk about kind of the way they like to score and like quite specific things like if they like to turn over their right shoulder a lot uh we had a scout on if they're like a a hot closeout so like don't let them shoot if they're a stick closeout so like keep a hand but they're not going to like hit a million threes in your face or if you can be a little more further back and then like things that you can live with them shooting so I don't know for example someone who's really dominant on their right hand if they take a left hand drive you live with that because you can't take away everything and then obviously you have to look about things that you will not accept at all so things that you have to target for certain players that you don't want to ever let them do um for example like Zoe Richards jump stop step through like <laughs> don't let her do that because that's one of her strongest part of her game like that kind of thing and that takes a long time obviously especially the first couple games are probably the hardest because you haven't seen these people before so you have to sit down and really watch every position like there were some positions that i watched three or four times just to watch what a lot of other people do in that one position so it's a really big process but again like you learn a lot and it's really fun to do because i'm a bit of a nerd but it does <laughs> does take a lot did it ever get easier kind of over time just because you guys are playing the same teams multiple times yeah definitely it got way easier in terms of the individual scout because you kind of get to know these players a lot um and then in terms of the team scouting like you kind of by the second or third time you're playing these teams you kind of know what their style is and who their scorers are um and who their shooters are like it becomes a lot easier so it doesn't take as long but obviously like still like shout out to especially josh and sam watkins and then judd when he came later like they did a lot of um like hours of sifting through film and cutting it up for um the girls just like their offense who the key players are, how they defend screens, how they use screens. There's so much, and like it's obviously a lot of information to give, and it's a tedious process. But yeah, like they did a really good job. I didn't do as much, obviously, but yeah, it's very tedious. It's very tedious, that's for sure. That's an interesting way of putting it. Very tedious. I mean, when you were talking about it, it sounded like there were parts of it you really, really like to do, and there's other parts of it you're kind of like, yeah, you know, I could probably do without this bit. Yeah. Well, Is I that fair? I think it's also just because, like, I've had really busy year with everything. Yeah. So, like, sometimes you get home at 10 p.m. The last thing you want to do is, like, watch an hour and a half of basketball and write all about it. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I, I did love it. And, like, if I had a week free, that I would do that all day, every day. It's just a tedious process because you have to be very specific, um, especially at a professional level. Things are very technical. So, but it's really cool. Like, and it was it's a cool experience for me because I've never done a scout so in depth before, you know. And are you up for doing it again next season? 
We'll see. We'll see. 24. Oh, yeah, I'm actually head coach next year. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, already at the end of 2023. And, like, yeah, I know. We already looking for next year. Like, I just. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. Like, it's, I think it's, you know, what, a month, two months in the, the WNBL season. That's nuts. No, it's not. It's not even that. Six, five, six weeks. Wow. Out of November. And some of, you know, the people's favorite players here, and some of them, I do want to touch on the final series just because that was pretty epic. But, you know, some of those players, you know, if you want to, you want to see them again, you can. They're in the WNBL. Mm. And it's going to be exciting. Wow. Can't believe it's all over, though. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's It's been a really good season. And I think... Like it's set up well for next year as well. I think. We'll I have. think overall, just thinking about like a really good Asia Cup year and a really good Tohi year, like women's basketball, obviously, under teams did really well. Like there's just been this uptick. Yeah. In women's yeah. basketball over here this year, which has just been so phenomenal to see. Yeah, and I think uh, the other thing that helped a lot was how close the Tohi League was at, at the pointy end of the season. It, it could have gone any way at all. Sweating, still recovering. <laughs> still recovering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still you know, it, you look at the teams that were there in the finals, and a couple of weeks earlier, you'd be going, oh, gee, I'm not sure, will they, won't they? And there were so many different permutations, which is a sign of a healthy league. 100%. And I think the Kahu team just were so class, and they definitely deserved yeah. that win. Like, obviously, the Queens competed well, and I think the Hoiho competed well against the Queens for what they had. But the Kahu just was so dominant and had so much talent. Like having Tess Magden was a cheat code. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, they were just, their talent was off the charts. So, um, was like, yeah, like a real, like it's so cool to see a team like that, like that in New Zealand. Just, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you knew Tess was there and it was all business. It literally on game one, she came in, started knocking them down. Yeah. from everywhere and it was like hey i'm here and i'm here to play yeah. welcome i'm tess yeah she wasn't yeah. <laughs> she wasn't joking yeah yeah and he was like, let me introduce myself and she just i mean she just came in and you know cleaned up and uh the last games unfortunately i was not able to attend the final series but I, was, I watched it but it wasn't in person but the last game i went to it for the regular season they were playing the hoi ho and it was at, at their first one back at event find a and I was just talking about this strange game where, I mean, the, the Kahu ended up winning, but it was super physical and everything. And I think everybody kind of was left feeling like, you know, mm. we got it. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be bumpy to the end. But by the end, of, I mean, there just seemed to be some transformation overnight because by finals time, they just rose above everybody else. And Tess had a lot to do with that, Imari. And then also, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Tara Reed. Uh, Tara was another one who yeah. came alive this year. Yeah, and there's there's another another name that's coming over to the WNBL as well. Melbourne, yeah, yeah, and she's gonna be a lot. And obviously, I would say watch everybody, keep an eye out, but Tara especially, yeah, because she's just she's a special player. The things that she can do, and game after game, and she just kind of bounces back so easily. Yeah, it's gonna be a good aside for her in the WNBL career. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for your time across these three episodes, talking about Tawihi League, giving us an insight into what's going on over there. It's been 
really interesting learning about it from both of you the kiwi duo we definitely want to keep up to date with what's happening in new zealand because there's obviously a lot more going on we are going into as you said olympic qualifiers there's you know the run-up to the olympics it's great having you guys join us on the show yeah well thanks for letting us come on and have a good yarn it's always a great time oh it's always a great time I love thank you for having us and putting up with us yes thank you uh, it's uh, our pleasure <laughs> Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.